Yo, hey Doug. I think we should do the intro and outro uh, 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 next week, but I just wanted to say hey. this time around i don't know if it was because of who the band was um or what but or, or at least the main band or maybe because when we went last year we went on a thursday night and this was saturday night but there were a lot more people there they seemed a lot more fucked up <laughs> um and just are like all sorts of drugs and like the drug use was not hidden at all mm-hmm. like um you know, like at the Weezer one, you know, you may smell some pot or something like that. But this one, you see, like, people with, like, bongs passing it around in circle. And, uh, and like, people clearly on, like, ecstasy and, like, hallucinogens. And just, you know, just, like, dancing in a way that you don't dance to MGMT. <laughs> uh, especially, especially some of their songs. Well, when we went a year ago, yeah, we went on like a Thursday. There was like nobody there for for most of the time, and then until Weezer came on, and it was like, yeah, it was pretty pretty chill. And then, I we went on Sunday. Me and Michelle went on Sunday to see Flogging Molly, and it was the complete opposite. It was and there was no drug use, but it was just much more packed. It was pretty crazy. Yeah, very packed. And then you know people are just drinking all day. Right. And um, <laughs> yeah, we actually like had time to. You know, I was with my girlfriend and my sister and her fiance, and so like we ended up like when you're with couples, you're like more likely to look at the shitty art. <laughs> and uh, yeah, the art stands in the middle with like dolphins and stuff. Yeah, yeah, a lot of a lot of uh, dolphin themed stuff, a lot of you know uh, boating themed stuff. Um, Kim got a couple candles made out of beer bottles. Oh, good. Which was probably, which is probably, it was like the most creative stuff there, and it was still just some dude who poured candle wax into (laughs) beer bottles. And uh, um, well, have you ever been art beat on like South Beach? I don't know if it's called art art beat, but they've got they have this big art show on there, and it's it's nothing but that. Yeah, it's so funny. Like, you know, you have to like be, you have to give somebody who like that who's you know just doing whatever it takes to do what they love i mean obviously they really love you know painting <laughs> painting dogs on plates and putting clock pieces on there and making their dog plate clocks but uh you know they really have a joy for that and you know some people like stuff like that uh but it's funny to hear them talking about their um uh, like about the buyers and stuff like that and to have them be like cranky about like people not taking their art prices seriously it's like yeah what do you mean only two hundred dollars for one of these you know dog art dog plate clocks this is three hundred dollar plate clock well um have you have you seen exit to the gift shop no what is it the the uh banks banksy documentary yeah. yeah yeah 
Oh, you got to see that. It's all about art, and uh, and it has a lot to do with art prices. So I I definitely see, uh, recommend it. Yeah, that's that's really funny. To, uh, I you know, and it's it's um, it's interesting. It it does kind of uh, tie into to music videos a little bit because, um, you know, music video directors as well. They they're having to kind of place a price on their art mm-hmm. and. Um, like you'll see in Ben's interview, you know, a lot of times he was, uh, you know, he, he was thinking about that stuff going into his, you know, direction processes, you know, what, what things are going to be cheaper, what things are going to be easier to make, which are going to cut down on editing time. And, you know, he even says he, he takes a lot of the, a lot of the tasks on himself so he doesn't have to pay someone else to do it. That's true. That's actually an interesting point because I think this comes up a, a lot. Like, well, okay, let me start over here and say that I, I had a, a film education at the University of Notre Dame. And if you have a film education, a.k.a. you take a lot of film classes where basically people sit around and talk about the stuff we talk about in this podcast, um, you have probably taken a good amount of uh, training on auteur theory, which talks a little bit about that, about, you know, at what point is a piece of art somebody else's if they have people, you know, other people working on it, you know, especially with a large motion picture. Yeah, you've got a director, but you've got hundreds and maybe thousands of other artisans especially you know something like a big special effects movie that the movie has touched you know many 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 hands and not just an organizational way but really an artistic way so where do you draw the line of who made this um and i think one of the cool things about music videos is that like for something like ben barnes stuff you can really point to one person and say you know here this is from from like the point a to point z like this is all Ben. Yeah. And even even in the case of like, you know, sometimes you'll get a music video director and, or a music video and like it's you just see the artist's influence on it completely. You know, the director, it seemed like might as well not even been there. And it's just the artist. It's a completely performance based video. You know, it was like somebody had a video camera and Nelly and they made a music video. Um and you know, I, I think that when you've when you've got the case where somebody's work is so recognizable and it's um, them from the whole kind of process, you kind of see that in in every piece of the in every element of the video. For people who don't know yet, the guest on today's podcast, this week's podcast, is Ben Barnes. Yeah, who, for the people who like don't listen to what we say at all, exactly, and just like fast forward till they hear a third voice, and they're like, <laughs> uh, "Okay, there's somebody else." Well, uh, Doug, maybe you can tell them how you tell us how you because you you found Ben, you caught contact with him, and probably through because the his work with Y, correct? Yeah, I'm a big big fan of Y. Um, they're, uh, they're a really awesome band, and Ben's pretty much uh, made all of their official music videos. I think there's some fan videos out there that are 
pretty nice, pretty well made, but I don't think they're they're all official videos. The two videos that are you'll find on the Y website are directed by one Ben Barnes, and he uh, they're really awesome. One was uh, interestingly enough my pick of the week last week. Who hmm. who uh, two weeks ago? Technically two weeks right. ago. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, they're they're really cool. They're really awesome. What 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 are your thoughts about these music videos? Since I found them, I definitely like them. What do you think, Adam? They're good. I like um, I like why on camera. Oh, for, oh, actually, first of all, we should say, and you know, Ben mentions this in the in the interview, but why? Uh, one of the videos is a dual video, which is really un- kind of uncommon. Uh, for these hands in January twenty something, it's actually two videos just kind of melded into one, which is which yeah. is really interesting. Um, but actually, you know, coming from and you know, you and I, Doug, coming from a DIY perspective in terms of uh, you know creating these videos, um, you know, all three of the ones he's directed, which are uh, why sky for shoeing horses under and why these hands January twenty something and Thavius Bex to make manifest. Um, they all, they all, uh, and as you'll hear, they all come from a DIY perspective. My name is Ben Barnes, and I'm a director. Uh, I have done a lot of music videos, or, or a few. I guess that's contradictory, but I've done uh, some music videos. I don't do very many anymore, but uh, uh, yeah, I, I direct as, many, as much as I can and I write as much as I can. Now, how did you initially get into the the, the music video field? You know, I don't know. I, I, I honestly, uh, I, uh, I think I, when I came out here in 2001, I started working in record stores. I worked at Rhino uh, when it still existed over in uh, in the in on um, Westwood Boulevard. In uh, I guess you'd call that like before Santa Monica. Yeah, Westwood. That's what we're talking. About. Sorry. Anyway, and then um, I moved over to Amoeba uh, pretty quickly after that. So I was just I was the only guy that didn't have a band or wasn't a DJ at the time working at Amoeba. So you just friends with everyone. And I just fell in love with so many different bands that I had, you know, access to. And uh, one of my earliest friends was um, Lance Rock, who has gone on to become uh, quite the, the household name as the the uh, the human character from Yo Gabba Gabba. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that show. Oh yeah, definitely. Well, he used to work at uh, at, at Amoeba with me, and he had a band called the Raymakers with Chris Curtis, and. So I guess that would be the very first music video I did. I had left film school, so I'd done some films before. But as far as that, you know, like, like when I decided, oh, I'm going to make music videos, I just, it was like maybe a year after I lived out in L.A. and I just didn't know what I was going to do next. I was writing and doing different things. And, and so, yeah, I filmed a video for these guys for literally nothing. And it was just a sort of a thing about two guys being broke in L.A. And it was really just simple and fun and we just shot it on one of those shitty uh like maybe it was a three chip but it was still like i think I, i'm kind of annoyed that i'm i was I, I i fell out of film school like eight years before the the really nice like you know 70s and 5ds came out because it was on some really terrible uh like three ccd sony you know what i'm talking about yeah, yeah. so 
you know, it was that, but it made it on some compilations and, and uh, it made it around. So I guess, you know, that worked out. And then the very next thing I did was, oh, no, I guess I also did one for Daedalus. Do you know the, the artist Daedalus? Uh, I'm sorry, Daedalus? Yeah, I think, I think I'm familiar with them. He, he, uh, he's really big in a lot of different places. And he, uh, he, um, he had this song that he did with Bus Driver and Pigeon John together. And I did a video for them. Uh, again, for really, I mean, it was nothing. And and uh, again on some you know like on a probably on a VX one one thousand or two thousand I guess two thousand, um, and that was all two thousand two two thousand three I guess. And what, then yeah, go ahead. Sorry, oh, sorry. Uh, what fi- what film school did you go to? I went to University of Miami actually. Oh um, no way! I heard the yeah I heard the Florida shout out earlier. Yeah, I went there. Um, I mean, I'm from Pittsburgh, and I and I went to uh, I went to college at Kent State. And then uh, at some point I was just I was a cartoonist and I and I uh, and I just wanted to sort of switch things out. I, I guess you know it was maybe two years into college, so I, I took some classes in Pittsburgh and then uh, applied for grad school. And at the time there was this book that came out. Uh, I forget what it was called, but it was you know, I mean it, it was just sort of like ranking grad, uh, uh, film schools, and University of Miami got this really sort of specifically awesome ranking that was sort of like but it was it was more like they're so full of promise and they're cheap and it, and it was less expensive i mean it's still ridiculous I, I if you added up all the budgets of every single music video or promo i've done i don't think it would still equal my student loans but it still was <laughs> it was low you know it was low it wasn't nyu i know you, i mean you're and you're and you're basically you're paying for it in the lack of contacts but you know it was it was cheaper you were guaranteed to make a film and I think they gave you something like 4,400 feet of 60 millimeter film free, like guaranteed, you know, that kind of stuff. So it was like, you're going to walk out of there with a film. And I did, you know, to, whether I want anyone to see that film is a different story, but you know, <laughs> it was still very good. You know, it was still very, it was a good experience to like, you know, be guaranteed to make a film and not have to worry about politicking. And you, when you started getting into the music videos, was there anything specific about that sort of medium that drew you to it? Well, yeah, I mean, like, in all honesty, uh, I don't know how old you guys are, but at one point there was, like, I don't know, let's say the late 90s, because it was, I mean, there were some interesting things, but when, when like, Spike Jones started really doing stuff and Chris Cunningham and and those kind of people, you kind of remember, I mean, I think there was this high watermark somewhere around 2000 where there was, like, you know, the Mr. Ruizo video and, and that... Uh, awesome uh, uh, um, Queens of the Stone Age video where they're being projected on the wall. I can't even remember the name of the song. But, like, you, if you turn on MTV2 and they were still playing uh, music videos, it was going to be either a shitty performance video or some really awesome art going on. I think I, I even remember when they were, like, showing the Radiohead uh, bleep campaign right before Kid A came out. And it was just really... It was always really awesome. So, like... As a filmmaker, you 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 sort of, you know, you're looking at films and you're making films. But I always remembered. I mean, and to be quite honest, I hate to I hate to say this, um, but I, I I'm I'm sort of bigoted against performance videos. It's very seldom that I, I find them very moving. But when someone sort of just makes an artistic jump, I I remember uh, most of the videos that I really reacted strongly to were concept videos, and and really not. Not concept videos where the band was performing in them, but 
almost straight concept, you know? Right. Uh, I remember the, actually, you know what, come to think of it, the very first time I, I, I really was like, oh, I'd love to make a music video was when I saw No Surprises, which was a little late. It probably would have been 2001, 2002, but No Surprises is one of the best music videos I've ever seen uh, for Radiohead. Right. No, that's a, that's a fantastic video. Yeah, and, it, and every time I see it, I, I just can't find anything wrong with it. You know, it's just, I, I, I just think it's the, it's the most perfect music video. And uh, and I think that, I, to, if, if uh, the short answer would be that. Sorry to ramble, but I think, I think honestly, that, that would be it. I think the first time I saw, saw that video. Now, Doug and I are both uh, 26, so we were definitely both watching the MV, MTV2, you know, pretty heavily during that period. Um, and for anybody listening who doesn't doesn't uh, hasn't seen the Radiohead No Surprises video, I highly recommend it. I don't think we have it listed on the site, but by the time you hear this, it will be. Um, and, and, and what's really fun is I, maybe you you were about to say this uh, is watching uh, Meeting People Is Easy has a whole segment on yeah. the film that, and it's it makes the <laughs> it makes the video <laughs> even better. You know, it just makes it so much more awesome. To know, because you when you see him smile near the end of the video, you realize he's just happy that it, he made it. You know. <laughs> yeah, I think that's 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 one of the. Um, I remember after they have a little segment of um, some morning show somewhere showing the video, and you know saying, yeah. "Oh, that's music video to slit your wrists to," or something <laughs> like that. Um, uh, and Grant G directed the video, and he directed that documentary. So it's really funny that the, it just really sort of it's a beautiful companion piece in a lot of ways. It is no, definitely. Are, are you a fan of a lot of the radio Radiohead uh, Radiohead pieces? I'll be honest with you. I I mean I I would say unequivocally yes. And then I I remember that I had the eight commercial, whatever the eight the eight television commercials, mm-hmm. which is the compendium of their stuff, basically for the Benz and for uh, OK Computer. And I I mean it's it's wonderful. And then they had sort of something that came out more recently. It was like hey, here's all the videos. And I realized that. In all honesty, I really like the videos from Ben's and OK Computer, <laughs> and the other ones are pretty, you know, forgettable I mean, to a T. Except for maybe the the Shinola Blip campaign, which was kind of fun, and 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 most likely the video they did for um, uh, Pyramid Song. Is that Pyramid Song? Uh, the one that where they go in the 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 figure goes into the water and in the end sits in his own house. sits in a house. I, I, yeah, out. definitely. I think that's Pyramid Song. I can't, okay. can't remember specifically, but. And I'm sorry. I don't mean to keep quizzing you, but oh, no. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, like, I, I, yeah, I would say yes. But they have a great uh, commissioner in in uh, Dilly Gent, and uh, you know, I've heard some amazing stories too. Uh, you know, because they really did formulate their uh, what is a Radiohead music video and what isn't. You know, like there was some thought put into it. It wasn't just like, oh, we want to work with this person or that person. And uh, I even heard that they were going to work with Spike Jones uh, at one point. And the pitch sounded awesome from what I heard, but then they just couldn't do a budget. And thankfully, it ended up being uh, no surprises the way it was. I think, I think uh, I'm pretty sure um, Spike Jones was going to do no surprises. And I'm really glad he didn't. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Grant G of all people who did not have a track record and hasn't done many things that you'd say, oh, that's a, you know, anything very high profile. And he got to do what I think is my favorite music video ever. That's funny you mentioned No Surprises because it's a, a single shot video. Um, mm-hmm. And then you ended up doing also a single shot video 
later with the Y video, a, a sky for shoeing horses under. Was that something you wanted to do to try with sort of like a Russian arc-esque type of one-shot video? You know, I, I don't... Uh, you know, I'll be very honest with you. I think I was being pragmatic because, uh, again, Y is like my favorite band in the world. And I don't... Uh, I, I, re- I really don't mean that lightly. I really love their music and... and, and, and I, I was a fan, and it sort of I just lucked into being able to do it. It wasn't a pitch; it wasn't anything else, and I sort of had this idea floating around. But I'll be honest with you; I'm pretty sure it was. <laughs> it was, and then I won't have to edit anything. <laughs> like honestly, that was part of the, the process. Was like because I edit all my own stuff, and I and I don't particularly love editing. And I think I just was like. It'd be really cool if we were going through the house and whatever, and we could do one take. And literally, the next thought was because then I wouldn't have to edit anything. And of course, it was still two, three weeks of post because, um, you know, we blew past magic hour and had nothing in the windows, so we I had to like add some special effects and stuff. So basically, I was able to shift everything into production from post. Post was nothing. I mean, post would be literally zero, or maybe a couple hundred for a drive. And that way, I could really just say, okay. We don't have the money, but I'm basically getting a lot of creative control. Let me just edit it, you know? But I, it, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of editing something you've already written and directed because I feel like it becomes an echo chamber. It's like a Xerox of a Xerox of a Xerox. Does it make sense? That does. I actually, I, I'm, I'm in the same boat. I'm not a big fan of editing. I know Doug, Doug, Doug enjoys it. Yeah, I would, I would say I, I enjoy editing. That's because I get to fix all my mistakes. Uh, <laughs> Um, uh, I did want to ask. Uh, it's funny that you say why is your favorite band. I would say they're probably my favorite band too. I'm not gonna compete with you. Oh um, no, that's awesome. I just I'm just. But, glad uh, to... but I noticed you know a lot of their uh, the lyrics um, in in a lot of the why songs. It's always like a, you know there's a big internal struggle, um, and you know a lot of the videos that you've done. There's a big external struggle kind of with kind of things that are happening in actuality. Uh, it, did you, were you trying to kind of mirror the struggle that is always kind of happening in the wild, in, you know, Yoni Wolf's lyrics in, in the video? Was that kind of a, a theme that, that you thought about? You know, I don't know. It's, it's very weird because I think uh, at some point, because I worked at Amoeba and I was a fan of Yoni's projects like Cloud Dead and a couple other things for so long. And I would obsess like, you know, like there'd be certain albums that I would just play until I literally can't hear them anymore. Cloud Dead's second album, uh, uh, Ten, I I, you know, I can't even put it on anymore. I listen to it so much, and like some of that stuff would get really internal. Like some of his lyrics that I really didn't get. Like I, li- I literally I don't I don't pay attention to lyrics well enough, and then I'll read the lyric book like, booklet and be amazed, especially at, at his stuff, and uh, and so like there'll be. Like, I'd listen to these songs, like A Sky for Chewing Horses Under. I I understood, like, half the lyrics. So there'd be awesome lines that would pop out to me. And then the other half I wouldn't know until I read the lyric booklet and be like, oh, really? That's, that's oh, well, I I did I had that pegged all wrong. But I think it's usually a mood and and something to go off of. And I think if you're talking about an internal struggle coming out or, or, or sort of being extrapolated into an external one or how I'm going off the lyrics to be quite honest. I think it's literally that it usually comes down to one or two just little snippets. Like the line, I only played chess once in my life and I lost is like, 
<laughs> I, I, you can't get over a line like that. It's just so like I that sort of was somewhere. But I I try not to be too literal about it because I think that's a that's it's not. Uh, it's really hard to be creative when you are thinking about it. So it's just like, all right, well, I'll let that go somewhere. And then I think the only other one was that it said it was like rain goes perfect with the Nazim mixtape. And for some reason, I felt these people were like sheltered inside. And, I, you know, it was it was something that I was kind of fooling around with. Uh, but I, I basically I, I like his lyrics so much because they are, to me, hyper personal and hyper sometimes you just go okay that's your thing i really don't understand it and because of that it's very freeing to just enjoy it either on an abstract level or whatever i don't know how you enjoy his music but that's sort of where i get it so it was it would always be like well why do i want to have accompany this music and try not to let the lyrics interfere too much because then it, you you run the risk of being very like very literal you know which i think is the worst kind of music video it's funny you mentioned that that line. The uh, I played once chess once in my life and I lost because when I when I first saw the video I hadn't hadn't heard the song, uh, a sky for shoeing horses under and and one of the things that that struck me is how there's there's little uh, elements in both the video and the song like that line but also in the video and in and you know uh, several of your videos that have their little touches that really sort of stick out in your mind even if you've watched it at one time and 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 for that song and that video i i I think of like the bat made out of forks and knives and um you know for the these hands and the january 20 something video just the sort of um the really deadpan delivery um of why and even the the sort of the older man with a lamp on the end of his gun um you know you know it seems like you're working with smaller crews um and probably don't have, you know obviously don't have somebody doing props and things like that you know where do the, where do these these specific elements come from and, and and what is your sort of philosophy towards you know getting those elements in a video you know i i uh it's funny that sky for chewing horses under it was a very small budget um but it was one of those things where yoni wanted to work with me and that's the only way i got the job was just that i he'd somehow seen my stuff and said hey do you want to work together which is a you know a wonderful email to get and then it literally took about six months for him to be in town. And at that point, because I was thinking about, oh, I want to do a video for this. I want to do a video for that. How do I stretch my budget? And literally, when, you're, when, you're, when your budgets are low, you start thinking really strategically. And a lot of times it's really fun because it usually because I, I mean, I'm happy with how the video came out. But literally, the first couple creative decisions were, oh, this is a two and a half minute song. Oh, I'm embarrassed to say this. <laughs> this is a two and a half minute song. If I film it at like 36 frames a second... If it's one take, it'll only be you know uh, uh, a minute and fifty five seconds long or whatever the math was. <laughs> so we could really we could fit in some shots and stuff, and then I wouldn't have to edit. I mean, like literally, those are you know like, but they're very focusing. So once I was like, okay, it's a one take on a short song, and we'll and we'll use my apartment, and you know all these other things. What ended up happening was then you get to populate. Like I did a pass through with me and the woman who is at the at the door with the axe. Um, she's the she's the fiance of the of the of the DP, but she she uh, is also an a, a brilliant AC, and so she and I posed in all the shots that we were going to do for the one take, and so we had the camera motion down, and literally because my director of photography was nice enough to donate his time, and his lights, and I wasn't getting uh, I wasn't uh, uh, getting paid, 
the whole point was like we had a little bit of money and it wasn't a lot, but that all went to hiring a, a props guy who was, again, doing it for a favor. But basically I said, I want a lamp gun. And he made a lamp gun. <laughs> and, uh, and then, see, like, and, and because it was all friends and it wasn't like a job, we made it very, like, kind of friendly. I, you know, I just told two of my friends to show up wearing the same red shirt so it looked like they worked at the same store before this shit happened, you know, and all these other things. And actually the most unsung thing is my buddy uh, Joel Huggins. Uh, and I don't even know if you noticed in the video because it was one of those things where we shot on the VX uh, 200. What is it? VX? No, not VX. HVX 200. Thank you, right? Yeah. We the shot Sony, the HVX, Sony one? Yeah, like the, the one that uses DVC Pro. Uh, yeah, Codex. I think it's the VFX 100. Whatever, yeah, that, that it's it's... It came out in like 2007. Yeah. So right. we, we used that that thing, and so it's not the a most amazing resolution, and populated throughout the video, are books, and pamphlets, and in one case a can of chili, that all have those glowing eye guys on them. So if you look again, <laughs> uh, there it, like it, certain things have those glowing eye guys on them, um, a book on the mantle, a book by the piano, and a can of chili, to, and then there's other things you can't see. So the guy outside, the very first glowing eye guy you see, he was – there's one guy who's, who's the guy in the, the video feed, the, uh, the monitor feed, uh, the, the security camera thing. Mm-hmm. The eyes that pop in the window from outside and he's on all these other things. And, you know, of course, you can't see his face or anything. But he was – you know, he, he was like one of the main glowing eye guys and he's populated throughout. But – Boy, that was a tangent. Sorry. Um, <laughs> no, that's attention to detail. That's major attention to detail. Yeah, and, and, it's, and it was like, well, let's, well, everyone had fun with it. So everyone shows up, and, and it was maybe a five, six-hour shoot at most, and we did 21 takes. But when we were getting everything ready, it was like some people made their own weapons. Like one guy duct taped a screwdriver to a crowbar, and I was like, that's perfect. Another guy put like duct tape on his glasses. And I explained the situation. And then that, the man that starts the whole thing off is a fabulous actor named Burke Burns. And he, uh, he was in the military. So it was like very easy to say, here's what you're going to be doing. And like, here's your position. And he, you know, he was able to just really, I, I think he's the heart of the thing because of one small thing, which is the shoulder shrug. Like he does a little shoulder shrug, and like no one would think to do that unless you were in the military. I, that's I'm convinced of that. So I'm just saying, like, I think it was not necessarily everything where I said I like I want this and I want that. It wasn't it wasn't as much exacting as it was just letting people sort of add their own little things within the you know you just explain things really well. You know, like here's what's happening in you know in, in general terms, and then. People fill in the other stuff themselves, you know. Right, right. Does it make sense? Yeah, definitely. Okay. At, at what point does uh, th- during this pre-production process does does Y get brought in? I'm assuming that initially it's obviously stand-ins, and you're not setting the whole thing up with with Y sitting in the room with you. So, at what point do you bring them in and kind of place them in in the whole mix? Well, you know, they were really cool. I mean, they just showed up and. Uh, Sean, who runs Anticon, um, you know, just wound up being a, a, a close friend anyway. So we were like, it's just sort of like, it was no actually, it wasn't even treated like a normal set. There was very little, um, I mean, <laughs> there was very little money to make it look like a normal set. 
So, you know, like, but I think Y showed up, like, maybe right when the actors did, and they just figured out where their instrument placement was and everything else. But, like, after we did a couple run-throughs, they, I mean, they, they had to be there for that. So, I mean, they were there from the beginning, um, and they were there through the whole shoot. And, I, I mean, they would have gone again. I mean, Take 21 is what you see, and there were probably a couple other ones that would have worked just as well. But there was something, like, we are like, oh, yeah, we definitely nailed it. And, yeah, they, they rehearsed with us from, uh, from the get-go, I, 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 as far as I can remember. And the other thing that's been really nice working with them is basically I have an idea, and they've already sort of committed on some level to working with me, and then they just say, well, let us know your idea. And I just, you know, I showed them a little run-through we did, and they were like, okay, we got it. And they, they got in position, and they tested a few things out, and they tried a few things out. And we tweaked a couple things, but everyone was perfect. And I mean, I, I don't know if you know this, but you know, Josiah, the the um, percussionist, uh, the brother of Yoni, um, he's the one at the end playing the xylophone with the with the the glowing. Yeah, eye I was gonna eye. I was gonna ask you that actually, if that was Josiah playing it with the glowing yeah, eyes. He didn't make a fuss at all. I mean, everyone was really happy with that one anyway when it came, when it was finally done. Um, but I mean, why were super cool? No one made a fuss. Everyone, you know, I mean, it was just so laid back and, and really nice. It, it, it just, I don't know, I, it didn't spoil me, but I certainly knew it was, it was, you know, not normal necessarily. You know, it was, certainly wasn't very stressful. It was just we ran through it a bunch. So after, after <clears throat> that video, you know, you, the follow-up video, I think I saw an interview with the band one time, and, and Yoni was talking about uh, having to, uh, like, hoist drum sets up on a roof and then obviously after seeing the video i i understood where that where that took place um so after that point and then being really willing to kind of be a part of of what is kind of a very difficult production process were they then more willing to kind of be a part of the next video did you know that they were going to be on board and you can kind of think more openly because of that you know i for some reason, I don't know if I assumed this, and I hope it uh, certainly don't want to seem out, you know, like like I was uh, taking liberties. But like the only music videos I've really done, to, and and we can get into this at some point if 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 it's interesting or important. But like aside from some of the promos I did in the middle, uh, the only music videos I've done are people or artists that came up to me and said, "I want you to do a music video," and left it at that. You know what I mean? Like, really didn't give me any ideas, didn't really care. You know, just sort of were like, I want to work with you. And, I mean, especially when they, because after the first video, that you know, they came up with another album and I heard it early and I had my pick of the songs. And, you know, Yoni wanted to work with me again and I was excited about that. But I had my pick of the songs and forever it was this one song. And I'm calling Yoni up and I'm telling him this means this and this is how we're going to do it. And we're doing this song. And, and I had, I even shot test footage uh, on a red of a moth at like super slow motion and it was looking crazy cool about all, you know, all these things. And then, then the next time I saw him, I just, I just was like, I, I'm, I want to do a video for the first two songs. And he was okay with that. You know what I mean? I totally was like, I don't want to do this. I want to do this now budgetarily, everything else. And he just, he didn't blink an eye, you know what I mean? And he was getting into the idea of the first one and, and he just let let that other one go, you know what I'm saying? So that I mean, it's that kind of leeway that I was very happy to have, you know. So you you said you got the songs early, did you? Because I know that they recorded, uh, um, 
their last two albums at the same time. Uh, did, you didn't get them that early. Did you get the Eskimo So stuff at when Alopecia came out? Um, no, 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 no. But uh, uh, I but guess the music I was mean, around. Yeah, but they were remixing it because they had the music, but they mastered it once, and then I think they, when they were gonna produ- you know, do it again, they mastered it again. And I, I mean, I got it maybe you know a few months before it came out. Let's say four or five. So uh, you know, it wasn't it wasn't the original mixes because I remember even I, I think I remember hearing a snippet of some stuff, but you know, it wasn't they they remixed they remixed everything, so it, it would have been the normal release slate like the release schedule kind of thing where i just got it like four or five months before i'd like to uh ask you about the the promos because that's, sure. that's something that that that's interesting because i i honestly hadn't really come across promos like like the ones that you you've been making they seem like almost <laughs> like little mini music videos in a way um you know, I'll see a lot of promos that are just basically like flashing colors and check out this CD coming out or or, or whatever. Um, I, and I'm really interested to know, you know, how you got into that, how that works. You mentioned, you know, working with a, a label on that. Is that something that's more in conjunction with a label for promotion or, or how do those sort of projects get started? Well, it's, I mean, it, it, I sort of fell into it by accident, but basically bus driver, uh, Reagan Farquhar, uh, came to me. Because he wanted me to do a music video, and the label didn't want to use me, because I, you know, uh, I'd only done like two music videos before that, or three, or something like that. And basically, I had the Thavius Beck video and a subtitle video to go off of, and that was it. Um, so they just. They just were like, no, we don't want to use you. But then, you know, he was just sort of like, well, what if I got. $3,000, like, what if we did something and I got $3,000 to make some promos? And, I mean, basically, uh, I was ripping off the the Shinola blip campaign to some degree. I was like, let's just make 30-second spots and 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 we'll make as many as we can. And we were able, I mean, it was the, the best shoot they ever had. I mean, we came in, under, you know, like, under budget and, you know, I had a schedule and everything and got, like, six awesome little promos done, you know? And so they were really psyched about them, and you know we just put them, we packaged them together as, as sort of like individual things. And the only frustrating thing was that you know with a little more planning, I probably could have turned at least one of those things into a music video, if I wanted to. And a lot of the comments were like, "Oh man, I can't wait for the full music videos to come out for each one of these things." And you're like, "Yeah, you have no idea." So after that, like it got a little bit of attention, but again, no one knew what to do with any of it, and so people would come up and be like, "Hey, you know, you should do this," and nothing really happened. And then um, Sony came by uh, about doing a Peter Bjorn and John one, I think that same year. So we did that, and that was like a budget. But again, it was like, oh, whatever you want to do, and however long. And I remember it was sort of long. I wanted to do a much shorter one, but they were like, oh, we like this, and I was like, all right, cool. Like, as far as the edit, because I felt like, it, you know, it's like two and a half minutes when it could easily be like a minute. And, uh, and but they were happy with it, you know. Like, I think that was when Rick Rubin was taking over uh, Sony. And I remember he really was like, I think he personally liked it. I was like, oh, that's, you know, that's a small victory. Yeah, if you've got Rick Rubin giving you the thumbs up on something, I'd, I'd say there's definitely something right going on. That that made me stop. Like, I was like, yeah, that made me stop uh, editing. I was like, <laughs> all right, fine. <laughs> you know, okay, good. Yeah. I think 
I think that means uh, I mean that's uh, services rendered. But then uh, the the bigger budget was the Coheed and Cambria ones, and that was, you know, that was the uh, that was I think the first time I pulled a fee for as a director <laughs> in like forever. So you know, it was just sort of like let's put these together. And uh, again, it was like it was the bastard child of the promotional process. You know, like there was a major music video and all these other things, and we were off to the side doing these things. But, you know, I had a, I had a blast, you know. It was, they were really fun to do. And what do you do uh, besides music? Because you mentioned a lot of these videos were, were done for free. What's your, what's, your, what's your day job, so to speak? Oh, my parents are rich. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I edit a TV show um, out here. And then, I mean, I freelance edit. I know, I know, I know. It comes back around. <laughs> but uh, I, I freelance edit. Uh, the past three years, you know, doing different uh, things. But, you know, for the last year and a half, two years off and on, I've edited a, a television show about music um, called Beta Records TV. And it's like it airs on like NBC affiliates and stuff. And uh, it just bands come in and they perform and they get interviewed and we and we air it nationally, you know. So it's kind of fun because every once in a while I'll bring in or at least, you know, I got to bring in Baths. Do you, do you guys like Baths? How do you uh, how do you spell that? Yeah, it just it sounds like an honest question, doesn't it? Do you like do you guys like bathing? No, <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah, it's if we shower, but <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, the art the artist's name is Bads B A T H S. The guy's name is Will Weisenfeld. He's doing great right now. He came out with an awesome album this year, and so you know, like I didn't, you know, I, I wasn't making music videos, or I didn't have like the time or the heart to to make a music video. So I, you know, we just I made sure he came in and I directed a piece where he like because it's an educational show for kids, so. Like the only piece I ever directed and edited for the show is just him breaking down how he puts together his songs and then shows how he put, performs them live. So it was kind of fun. Uh, that's, of like that's, I didn't, yeah, I didn't know it was for kids. That's really cool. Yeah, I mean, like it's EI certified or whatever. But yeah, it's been sort of like the thing I do for a living for the most part uh, to make money. And yes, it's editing. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I, I like that you. Uh, this has nothing to do with anything. You you give the same voice to YouTube comments as, as I do, and uh, I just want to say I appreciate that. I'm, it's really off topic. And uh, when you gave a voice to the YouTube comment about waiting for the full length version of the video, I realized it's the same voice that I use. So thanks. Oh, <laughs> I, I, that's I my question, Adam. You're up. <laughs> Doug has a love hate relationship with YouTube comments. Um, it's really hard, dude. I'm not joking, man. I will post something on like Reddit or or YouTube, and it's like I will read them like they matter, and then as soon as they they hurt, I'll be like, "Oh it man, feels so I, much I, worse." Yeah, exactly, because you made them matter in the first place. <laughs> I know. Like I did not please everybody. <laughs> the guy with the guy with one shoe hates my video, and now you know, like. You don't know. You don't know the mental stability of the person who hates you. Maybe they hate everything, but it doesn't matter. You know, it's like them and your high school English teacher or whoever, or your, you know, like all the bad voices in your head line up, and this YouTube commenter is right there. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, and and it's always it's like people like the Y video, especially the second one. I, you know, all the comments, there are comments that are just overwhelmingly positive and so. Like just, I was blown away by this video kind of stuff, and I, I'm very like grateful for those. And every once in a while, like someone just says something like, "Yoni needs to smile more," and you're just like, <laughs> "Did I do it's it horrible. wrong?" Those 
Those yeah, bad like, comments end up being worth like a hundred good comments in yeah, your heart. Yeah, and, and you're sitting there going, "Oh, did I? I mean, should I have made him smile? Yeah, I mean, why wasn't he? Oh, and then you're like, I have no idea what, what, why. Uh, it, I mean, it shouldn't matter. You're you're a fucking grown human being, but <laughs> it, it it works out that way. As, speaking of that music video, um, I, I was I was wondering, you know, the the first half of it uh, for these hands centerized around a car crash and in terms of music videos i think that's one that's sort of a, a, a reoccurring theme um you know you think of things like the cold play the scientist music video or even something like adele's uh chasing pavements video that you know there there are a lot of videos that are centered around car crashes um because they seem to be <laughs> and usually they have the budget to show the crash <laughs> but that's a different story uh, well a lot of the, yeah a lot of them show the 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 aftermath specifically because yeah, yeah, there's something about that I, I was wondering when you were you were making the video obviously yours is a much different different take on it um i was wondering if you had that sort of motif in your head and if you're and you know if you're you know looking towards that and looking to to kind of add to it in a little bit in a way you know i don't Okay, this I I uh, I sort of it's weird to me when I because th- I don't seek out music videos as much as I think I should for having made them. Um, I'm always reminded of something Kurt Vonnegut said. And this is going to get really esoteric, so you can certainly turn off your you know t- take your head- headphones off for one second while I get all philosophical. Um, but he was talking about English. He's like the best English writers aren't going to be found in English class. They're going to be chemists or architects or somewhere else. Because, and I'm trying to get the quote right, um, yeah. English literature shouldn't be staring up its own asshole, so to speak. You know, that's that's very odd that you mentioned that because I read this quote t- today. Um, Same one I, the one I just mentioned? Yeah, it, and, I, and I, I believe it is uh, the best writers at Cambridge won't be found in the English department, but the science department. Yeah, 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 exactly. And, and I mean, I read that, whatever book that was in. And I and I remember not and it does that doesn't fuel my you know I'm not like well I, I better be awesome so I'm not going to watch music videos but I I don't remember the I don't remember the canon or I don't remember like what's going on before I just remember like to be you know to be quite honest I usually can pinpoint a certain video as like a sprout for whatever you know I did like the Thavius Beck video I don't know if you saw that but to be quite honest. I know it's my spin on it, but I think that's no surprises. It's, you know, it's like I was trying to build, you know, like there, there's something that's just that that's just no surprises. And the subtitle video uh, was just my version or something that I, I you know, I, my version of, um, of Imitation of Life, which is one of the greatest music videos ever made as far as I'm concerned. Are you guys familiar with that, the REM one? Oh, uh, no, I haven't seen that one. It, Hammer and Tongs did it, but basically it's a 40-second clip and – Everyone's doing a part of the song forwards or backwards, and the film and the video plays forwards or backwards and zooms in and out to different parts of this forty-second clip for three minutes, covering the entire song, and it's absolutely gorgeous. It I, for some reason it makes me cry almost every time I see it, and you should guys check it out. But again, like I think that there's just sort of like oh I like that, you know, somehow this is gonna, I'll just I'll just eat this and see what gets crapped out wow that's a terrible analogy um i'll I'll see you know you know what i mean like you'll just see what the essence is you know if you just sort of love it and then leave it alone and don't think about it and see what it does to you and you know i think i mean i hope that doesn't sound too pretentious but that's the closest i can get to 
where it comes from. And as far as I think the only reason there was a car crash in that is that um, I just uh, I was just sitting with a friend and I said something nice to them and they made the bow and arrow motion to me like a cupid thing or a hey you know thanks you know right in your heart love you whatever kind of motion and i just thought of that i was like what if there's a dude with arrows in his back and he's rescuing a kid from a car i think it was a baby to begin with and then i just changed it and i just i think it's just you know don't think about it too hard just make sure it feels right and then just do it because it's a fucking music video. You know what I mean? <laughs> you don't have to you don't have to explain where the arrows went for it to work. Ben <laughs> he's he's our boy. Yo, man. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm gonna do that every time now. Uh, you It'll should. Be more, more awkward each and each time, but we will end every interview with that horrible catchphrase. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that was sweet. I was really, really excited about that. That interview is one of the more nerve-wracking interviews going in because of how big of a fan of why I am. I'm like, oh man, this is crazy. When I think, when I think to myself, it's always in that voice. Like, oh, Doug, you're pretty hungry. You should go eat something. <laughs> Sometimes you actually say that, too. Yeah, I know. I'll say it out loud. What are you doing? It's, oh, sorry. My thought voice. <laughs> oh, man. We don't know how to set people up or follow up interviews very well. We, we're, we're really great at, at keeping these things on topic. We are really good. And speaking of that, Langoliers, hello. Oh, man, Langoliers. Holy cow. When uh, I saw that tweet... <laughs> Do you, do you have do you have Netflix streaming first of all? Do you have? I, I don't have Netflix streaming. Oh I have I have video on demand from Xfinity. God no, whatever you're paying for that, stop it because Netflix streaming is your one stop go to source of just every mediocre piece of shit movie that's been oh, made man. and ever I, ever. I remember that I remember that movie so vividly. Like I I, I remember you. Uh, you being so excited about what, about what, renting that movie. It's like, oh, we should rent the Langoliers. And I'm like, what? Is, I don't even know what that is. You're like, yeah, it was a Stephen King novel. And I'm like, oh, okay, it might be good. Uh, no, no, it wasn't. Okay, just, just so everybody knows, this is like... 20 years ago that Doug is talking about. Oh, yeah. It wasn't like yesterday. No, we were very, <laughs> we were very young. We were renting it on VHS from Blockbuster. Yeah, so it, was a just... du- it was a double VHS. Yeah, it was. Right. We're in the middle. You had to, like, put in the other tape. There's, <laughs> and there's no graceful way to stop a movie in the middle. Yeah. You're like, okay, put the other part in now. And actually, so I, so... I was flipping through Netflix streaming last night, and I was looking at, you know, you got to look at the new releases, and it's, you know, awful stuff, and actually, a few weeks ago, Michelle and I watched a video, a horror movie about these skiers that get stuck on a ski lift overnight, and um, so it's that, oh, that goes kind that of movies. Movie, that movie wasn't good? Is it a, it's a recent movie, right? Yeah, it's called... Co- Frozen or something. something yeah, like um, Brian Posehn was talking about that movie on the on the Comedy Film Nerds podcast. He's talking about how like he loved it. He said it was awesome. 
No, but it was so, it wasn't so as bad as as a as a lot of them, but it was. It's uh, like super campy, isn't it? It's supposed to be campy or uh, something. Yeah, it's sort of campy, I'd say. Yeah, man, I th- it's funny that you watch that and you don't listen to the comedy film nerds podcast. Um, no, we just re- well, and the same way we stumbled upon that, I saw the Langoliers and I was like, this, yes, let's do this, and. It's I got don't, the guy from um, Perfect Strangers. Yeah, Perfect Strangers, right? That's him. Mm-hmm. To me, and I hadn't, I didn't remember hardly anything about it. I didn't know, how, I remember how long it was. I didn't remember what kind of quality it was, but it was, it was awful. Um, it was. It's really very awful. long. It, it, it's like a three-hour movie. Because um, it was originally a miniseries. I didn't know it was based. Oh, was it like several episodes? Yeah, it was like a four-part miniseries on ABC in 1995. A- ABC really knew how to make horrible miniseries out of Stephen King novels. Yeah, remember they did The Shining? I was just going to say that. They did a Shining miniseries? Yeah, I do. It was so bad. Well, because if you've ever... I used to read a lot of Stephen King books when I was in middle school, and um, The Shining novel was actually kind of goofy there's there's like hedges that come alive it's it's much more of a classic stephen king movie so if you've seen if anybody you know watches the shining uh the stanley kubrick version it's a lot classier than the actual uh book so so when they did when they actually like went through and and re and made it for tv i think stephen king did it and they actually had the hedge mazes and it was it was bad yeah, the the Kubrick one is like a Kubrick movie, mm-hmm. so it's got like a lot of like those those elements in there that kind of carry it. Uh, that yeah, aren't in the book that are just or like it's just not done that way. Yeah, it's uh, it's yeah, like a Kubrick movie completely. Um, that's my way of making a point and then babbling my way through that same point again. <laughs> that's what I just did there. My pick of the week is a really great music video that I like a lot. Um, it's by an artist called. Uh, it's by an uh, artist named Bus Driver, and the music video is uh, "Me Time" for a song called "Me Time," and uh, I I love this music video a whole lot. It kind of reminds me of the movie Big a little bit. Um, but only at the beginning. It's like a kid's birthday party at, at like a place like a Chuck E. Cheese <laughs> or, uh, you know, even like an ice skating rink with a with the game room. You know, just some kind of place where you would see a 10-year-old birthday party has a big game room. And um, in it, there's like a, like a fortune teller machine or something like that. Um, and, you know, one of the kids puts money in the fortune teller machine and it kind of comes to life and starts rapping the song and it looks kind of like bus driver and it's like a big kind of paper mache monster that is just kind of wreaking havoc on this birthday party while while rapping this song and i won't give away anything else and who is it directed by uh it's directed by uh, uh hero mirai who uh on his list of people he's directed music videos for he's got a long list of you know, popular artists and, and bus driver is pretty popular in some circles, but certainly not the pedigree of like Usher 
uh, or uh, or uh, B.O.B., who he's also directed for. But um, this is probably my favorite one of his videos. It's definitely uh, really funny and awesome and uh, really sticks out in your head after watching it. So check it out. Bus Driver, Me Time, Doug Klinger, Pick of the Week. Oh, it's such a good video. That's just one of those ones. And the song is so it's so crazy and fast that it just goes Yeah. It's is a perfect melding of of the, the video with like the pace of the song. I really love that. Yeah, it's really uh awesome video, hence me picking it. Okay. I'm gonna do I'm gonna do mine. That's usually what happens. I had a hard time picking this 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 video of the week. Um, cause I had a few, I had a few ones in mind, but I wanted to pick one that I thought was interesting cause it seems, I think it's unfinished and the, 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 the music video is, uh, Power by Kanye West. Have you seen this one? It's like kind of like a slow, like a track backwards of an image. Yeah. It's really odd. And so the power was the first single off of my beautiful dark twisted fantasy which came out a few months ago and the when the song came out which was last over the summer of last year um or sort of late summer they they released this clip um wasn't very long of just sort of the beginning of the the video and they released uh, the longer version which was only a minute and 43 seconds and the, the the song is very long it's about five minutes but it's all just one shot. It's this ridiculous composition of Kanye West like walking forward through a hall. It's very reminiscent of like a of a I don't know what period of I took I took an art history class and I can't remember what period of painting this is this is reminiscent of. But like a like a Great. A, a Rembrandt or um, Renoir or something like that. Wait, those are totally two totally different uh, periods. I can't even remember the name. Anyway, it's 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 a tab like a painting tableau. There's uh, albino mo- models. There's a woman uh, with uh, wings. It's uh, all symmetrical, and uh, but basically it's just one image that just keeps being pulled back, and uh, you keep seeing these ridiculous things. And it's pretty obvious that they kind of either ran out of money or ran out of time or something like that or just couldn't figure out how to or keep ridiculous going. ideas or ridiculous ideas yeah because it's they like just... all right let's just put these regular hot girls in here now it's like well <laughs> i mean unless you're gonna get more albino chicks <laughs> what's the point yeah the woman's name who's the uh, albino uh, woman i think is either it's Ir- irana shayek um but anyways it was directed by marco bram brambrilia um, and the, at the end, they just have, they kind of like zoom into different parts of the image and then it just says power, the name of the song. And it's like the, at the end of the first verse. Um, but you can tell by the actual sort of composition, everything that's going in, that it probably took a long ass time just to get what they what they got there. So anyway, I, I, I haven't been able to find a good answer of why it's sort of like a half video, but it's as a video, I think it's it's really interesting and, and really cool. It's something that Kanye West doesn't do a lot. I mean, he does a lot of really interesting things musically, and obviously, my beautiful dark twisted fantasy was, you know, really you know boundary pushing album but for a lot of his music videos i've kind of been disappointed so it was really good to see him doing something a little bit out of the box for this one 
Yeah, it's really, uh, it's it's a big, uh, it's a comment on the industry when, like, a Kanye West video may have ran out of budget. <laughs> it's like, oh, oh, the, uh, the biggest artist uh, of the time. Yeah, we only have enough for half of his music video, if this is what you want to do. That's, um, it either speaks to the, the where the money is in music videos, or it speaks to uh, how intense that music video is. Well, I'm, um, I'm looking up the... Uh... Yeah, see, Kanye tweeted, it's not a video, it's a moving painting, which is really, which is true. They have a, if you look at the screenshot. Yeah, but that's it's just a Kanye West thing to say. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Like any of his videos, it's not a video; it's an experience of life. Like that's just a stupid Kanye thing that he would say. You know, like he always says these like things that seem like they sh they should be deep, but when they come from somebody who has like Venetian blinds for sunglasses, it it just sounds arrogant. Well, actually, the 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 video that you know, a lot of the poses and the people and things like that, they're they're all references to things that you, you know you and I would not get at all. There's things you have to kind of look up, um, but it did win the video uh, iTunes Video of the Year of 2010. What uh, what are some of these references that you're speaking? Uh, of? I just looked at it. I I had read a few of them before. I couldn't pull them up off the top of my head, so I opened up the uh, uh, I, the uh, Wikipedia page. Um, the sword that is uh, hanging over Kanye West's head is apparently the sword of Damocles. Yeah, I totally picked that one. Uh, up. Uh huh. Um, the very it says the various figures within the painting are presented poses similar to major arcana and minor arcana. And my, my arcana and yeah, yeah. Yeah, you were you were you're right on top of that. You were um, yeah, right. I got there if not right at the same time, a split second after. I mean, like, well, I, that's the only thing, though. And I don't know. Do you guys make music videos? I've made one, and Doug, Doug has has made a few, but nothing, but uh, nothing 